What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, welcome to Razor Branding Podcast, the live video edition. Today, I am honored and overjoyed to be welcoming my good friend, Michelle Ezel with Tsunami Sushi Restaurants, located in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and New Orleans. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Thanks for being here. So you're sitting on the terrace in Baton Rouge with the Mississippi River Bridge behind you? I am. It was the other side. Yeah, there you go. It's hard to do right and left. When you the know camera's that's really, opposite. You know the name of that. Did you just say that was the Mississippi River Bridge? I know it's the Horace Wilkinson. I know it's the, the HW. The um, HW, right. But not everybody else would know the HW, so I wanted to set it up for them properly. Awesome. awesome. So when did you start checking in at the HW? I'm trying to even remember when that all started. I really, I don't know. I wonder if we could search uh, we just may the have word to. HW and see how far back it goes. But I don't know. I think one day I was coming over from Lafayette for work and I noticed the sign before you get for your front tires hit the bridge. And it's a big green, you know, uh, DOTD sign. And it says Horace Wilkinson Bridge. And I was like, did they just name it? Did they just put it out? <laughs> so I did a little research and I was like, oh, crud, that's been the name of the bridge. I mean, this man obviously did fantastic things for the state and earned the naming of the bridge. We should probably call it that name. So that's right. why I've been checking in at the H-Dub. And then you did it. So I thought that was kind of cool. So when we had the office in New Orleans, I started doing it. And it was the heads up to my team. I'd be there in an hour. So get ready. It's coming. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Warning, warning. Exactly. Exactly. And then um, I think at one point, maybe about nine or 10 years ago, Ella Crochet, who we both know from college at USL, said that that's her uncle, Horace oh, Wilkinson. Very, very cool. How crazy is that, small world? Figured he was related to somebody. It's, it's Louisiana. It is. We're all related to each other. Yeah, so, for sure. Can I assume that you're in Baton Rouge in honor of the governor's shift? You want to tell everybody about what's about to happen? This is correct. Yes, I am. Um, as of today, May 1st, you can pick up your takeout that you order from a dining establishment and eat it on a patio if that dining establishment has such a thing. And so um, we do have that here in Baton Rouge. <laughs> we have a 4,000 square foot rooftop terrace. So yeah, starting today at 3, you'll be able to... Um, patio pickup. You'll be able to pick up your food and, and dine on the patio. It's going to be weird. I mean, we all know that it's going to be weird. There'll be no table service. No one can come up and ask you if you need something else or get you a, a, another drink or another roll or everything has to go through takeout. And the only thing we'll be doing out here is just busing and sanitizing the tables uh, once the guests get up. So just to understand, because, you know, I want the logistics. So the parking garages around you are open so I can park. Wide open. Okay, Correct. Great. so I can park. Do I have to pay still, or is that? Yes, you okay. do still have that's to pay. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> Lafayette, nobody's no. There's no paying, so that's why. Well, you know. these are privately owned. The most, the ah. ones, most of the ones around us are. Oh yeah, they're not owned by the city or the state. So okay, um, yeah. So I pay. I come up to the sixth floor of the Shaw Center. Um, mm -hmm. I will have already placed an order ahead of time. You would have. So I pick it up curbside on the sixth floor and then I walk my own food out to the table. I sit down, mm -hmm. I eat. Um, mm -hmm. I need a refill of my drink. Can I get up and bring my refill, my cup inside and get refilled? Well, your your drink is going to be a... To go. A, 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 it's going to be a Coke in a can, so... Okay. Okay, so let's just buy a new Coke. Yeah, you're, you're going to place the whole to-go order without it. I think the one little flip to, to your plan is, as of right now, at 10.04, which could change a ton of times because, you know, everything's been changing in the past six weeks. Um, I believe you're going to um, pick everything up on the first floor. And so if ah. your patio, if your patio pickup, you will get your food and come up to the patio if we say that there's a table available because we'll know if right. we're full and you pick up your food downstairs, you can't come up. Um, and also curbside, there will still be people that are going to just want us to run the food out to them uh, at their cost sure. and we'll be able to do that as well. That's awesome. I just, I think, let's know yeah. the logistics. Everybody knows how to follow the rules. Well, we made, uh, it's funny because we've actually been playing, it's almost like opening a new restaurant. I really have felt this way all week long um, because all of the retraining and all of the logistics we've had to work out, I started getting hives. I'm like, I feel like we're opening a new restaurant and I'm, I'm sweating, like it's weird. But we definitely said, you know what, we're going to plan for one through 14 and guess what? 15 is definitely going to happen and we would have not seen it coming. So we're going to just, you know, uh, adapt, whatever. Right. It'll, we'll learn a lot tonight once we do it once. 
but isn't that the nature of the business you're in? I mean, you know, right. whether yeah. you picked it or it picked you, you're here mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. No, that that's true. So New Orleans, though, you're keeping on the down low until New Orleans kind of comes back. Well, we are actually starting Monday. We are going to start doing, again, Fantastic. curbside pickup and takeout. Yes, okay. we are going to start. We've been getting messages from the residents downtown because it's, it's pretty populated downtown area, um, as well as some of the businesses are still operating at about. 50% occupancy in a lot of the business offices downtown. So um, we said, why not? Let's, let's right. try. We did it for about two weeks right at the beginning. And we did see that sales were starting to increase, but we aired on the side of safety and caution for the staff and we just shut it down. But Monday, we're going to start it back up. Um, noon to eight, lunch and uh, early dinner, pick up curbside. I'm sorry if you hear my texts, you know. It just I'm, shows I, you're popular. I'm fine with I'm it. In the, well, I'm in the restaurant industry. I'm not a techie and I cannot figure out how to make it stop dinging so now jason peck has commented eat sushi with about 19 exclamation points are you arranging some sort of curbside pickup for him in new york i mean how are you gonna do that you're gonna ship it to him (laughs) i don't think i can get close enough to him in new york i don't think they let anybody go there right now um (laughs) i would if i could i would if i could i'd love to have sushi with my buddy jason in new york right now i feel like that's the least you can do i mean that's that's a long-term friend right there for for sure very loyal Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about um, bringing employees back. I know uh, you've had some challenges with trying to get some people to come back to work. So talk to me about how that's gone. Well, I'm competing with the with the government and that's a that's a new role for us. Normally, I'm competing with other restaurants um, for talent and, you know, going back and forth, negotiating pay rates. But now I'm competing with the government and they're uh, they're offering a pretty sweet deal, which I get. You know, I, I don't fault any employees that are saying I'm, I'm making this and you want me to come back just at my regular rate which is not far below that but i can get this and not work so why not so i mean i think that that's going to change in the next week or so so every location um has restaffed what we need to do what we need to do and uh we know the ones that have said yes i'm on board and we're very appreciative to those people I'm sure. I'm sure. I've been reading a lot of articles uh, talking about how the unemployment offices are going to handle employees that say, "Nah, I'm good. I'm going to collect my money and stay home and watch Netflix instead of going back to work. It sounds like the unemployment office isn't a fan of that plan. Well, we I emailed them day one. I'm like, okay, so what do we do? We, we've already reached out to X amount of people. X amount of people have said, no, I'll pass. So they've been offered a job back. They've declined. And they responded, which I thought was just a little weird. They said, very soon, in all caps, we will have a way for you to notify us. And I was like, probably should have thought about that at the beginning. What do you mean very soon? But that's what that's what their response was to me, that they will have a way for us to be able to notify them. These employees have been offered a job back and have declined. So therefore, right. they're no longer um, qualified for the unemployment money. And I think that's the important thing is and most yeah. employees don't seem to realize how this works, mm-hmm. that unemployment is supposed to be small and temporary. And as soon as you have the opportunity to work, you need to go back to work. We'd rather have you working and a part of the active economy than at home Correct. Netflixing. Yeah. Right. But like I said, I get it. Some of them are valid. I understand that some of them maybe have some sort of a compromised in- environment or, sure. or health issue that they're like, wait until we're 100% clear. And I support that. And like I said, I don't blame the ones that are saying they don't want to come back. Heck. Right. Well, and I think also childcare. You know, I think that yeah. until we have a way for yeah. um, two working parents or one working parent to uh, provide care for their kids, mm-hmm. what are they going to do with their kids while yeah. they're at work? You know, because they can't run at 100%. Yeah. Correct. No, it's, it's a challenge all the way around. I, I said the other day uh, in an interview, when we flip the switch and turn the economy off, that was actually pretty easy. Um, yeah. Turning it back on is a very tricky house of cards balancing act because something has to go first and which piece goes when, um, it's gonna be interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Governor Newsom in California said that he wants to bring all the public schools back July um, so they can make up for their loss of learning. And so I'm wondering if that's gonna catch on countrywide and how that's going to happen. I, yeah, I don't see Louisiana. I don't see Louisiana doing it. Um, I, I don't know why I say that. I don't really have any facts to back that. I think, you know what, honestly, I really think I go straight to the weather. It's like it's right. 105 degrees right. in those buses. Like 
California, probably not a problem, but we have buses still, I think, that are not air conditioned in Louisiana. So I just don't know. I don't know. There's schools in California that are not air conditioned because they don't need it. They don't need it. We might still have, I mean, no, we have gyms that are not air conditioned still, uh, public school gyms in Louisiana that still aren't air conditioned. So, right. Well, and it'll be interesting because, you know, in the Valley, it's pretty hot too. So we'll see how they're going to work all that out. But I think that's the thing is everybody's got to figure out something. Yeah. So I think, you know, you got to get kids back in school. You got to get people back to work and you have to protect the life and health of everybody involved. And that's a very, very difficult thing to do and keep it balanced. Oh, you're not balanced. You just hit the, uh, that's a good word um, because you're going to make people upset no matter what you do. You're, you're literally going to have the people that complain and the people that celebrate. So Right. Um, yeah. But like, that's what I said. I really feel like we're opening a new restaurant. Like it's a grand opening ribbon cutting tonight. And it's weird because this restaurant's been open 15 years, but we're all on edge. Like how, what are we going to, how, I mean, you should see what they've done inside. They've rearranged it like stations to drop off food and pick up food. And we have a whole, it's a whole new operation basically. Right. So I think that's going to happen with schools and with businesses and with public transportation and with everything that's starting to slowly come back online. It's going to be re-engineering right. new protocols and new operations. We've been calling it the pandemic pivot, which Simone thinks sounds like a line dance and there might be a TikTok video in the future <laughs> Oh yeah, I set to it. Cupid shuffle or something. I um, it. I but it is, it, whether you are pan, uh, pivoting based on your actual business, like, you know, mm-hmm. you guys have not really been, you've done to go here and there, but it's not been the curbside pickup right. <laughs> um, stronghold that it had to become or how you've had to re-engineer your processes, your cleaning procedures, the usage mm-hmm. of masks. I mean, mm-hmm. everything. So how much do you feel like that adaptation has um, benefited you, hurt you, uh, com- bamboozled you? I mean, how hard has it been? Well, not very hard because I have fantastic staff. <laughs> they are. They're great. There was a time where, so I am somewhat uh, health compromised because I'm asthmatic. So the minute that everything shut down, I kind of went into my own little protective shell. I was like, I my lungs are compromised. Like I really, really feared for what could happen to me if I if I got it. Um, so my staff in Lafayette just kind of took the ball and started doing to go. They came up with their own plan, their own protocol. And then once I felt a little bit more confident about my safety and my health and the health of the people that were working, um, and and the protocols they put in place to ensure that, then I started slowly going back to the restaurant. And so one day I was like, you know what? I I started to offer some suggestions on what they were doing and I kind of got a glare and I did, you know, I'm just kidding. Y'all are, you're good. So you just kind of let the people that know the operation and the ones that are doing it, they know the most efficient way to do it. And you just let them do it. The benefit to whom is this? When you give people things, it's very hard to take them away. I've gotten a lot of communication from guests that really, really, really like curbside pickup, especially moms with children. And so they're like, you're going to keep it. We really like it. Like, I love to be, you know, I, I, I normally eat at so-and-so because I can, it's easier, you know, to pull in. And so now I'm like, we're going to have to keep some resemblance of a curbside pickup when we are full blown back up and running hundred percent with no, with no um, isolation or restriction. So that's something that's, a, that's something, a pivot we didn't expect. We thought we right. do this. But now our customers are saying, you know, we'd really like you to keep it. Well, how do we do that? They, in a lot of ways, get to decide how things oh, go. Yeah. It's crazy so. how I tell people all the time and they're like, oh, you're your own boss. I'm like, not really. No. My customers are my boss. Yes. I had, um, I had hey, a question for you. Hey, you I'm sorry. I'm in the back. He I'm, likes yeah. to magically appear when he has a thought. He's the well, I'm kind of monitoring everything, but um, I'll let Jackie kind of lead, lead the show on all this. But um, you didn't wait, wait, wait. Are you saying you didn't trust us to just fly yes. this plane on our own? Yes. I'm Whatever. here just in case. I'm here just in case. But <laughs> speaking about what you're talking about, though, um, I think, you know, I've always been a fan of you guys. Obviously, you know, you have a great restaurant, great food. But, but from a branding aspect, I think you've done an amazing job of of really, you know, capturing the essence of what branding is about, which is emotional connections. You. you know, I think people are very tied to you guys for a lot of reasons um, beca- because of the food, because of the service, obviously th- those are givens, right? You have to have those things to have success, but, but it's, it's the stuff that goes beyond that, you know, and like when yeah. I pulled 
the other day, Jack ate place order. They didn't know me as well, but Jack kind of lives there. So they yeah. immediately were like, um, oh, is it for, for Jackie? And they knew that she needed 18 packets of soy sauce and, and literally uh, 18. Uh, and they, they counted them and showed me. Yeah. But they were. Okay. But in my defense, there's six people. So it's not like it's 18 for me. Right. Yeah. But the point is, they they they, they remembered. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was all part of the, the part of that deal. I mean, if you can, I mean, we talk a little bit about that because obviously, you know, you're you're having to pivot or change or, or modify what you're doing to kind of stay in there. But mm-hmm. how that those connections with your consumers and how they're they're kind of sticking with you and they're still showing up and they're still saying, you know, hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna ride and die with you, kind of kind of philosophy and how that feels, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I guess it's because again, we'll be 20 or we have not again, I haven't even mentioned that we'll be 20 in Lafayette in December. So I think a lot of what you just said is, uh, you know, brand loyalty. They, I mean, people literally that are 20 years old right now were one years old when we opened or in that first year of their life. So they don't really know a life without tsunami. Um, and so they've kind of consider it part of their, the thread of their life, their culinary, you know, experiences growing up. And so, that coupled with having another, I hate to overuse the word loyalty. I think I've used it like four times. So tap me out on the word loyalty. It's applicable. Uh, okay. The, our staff, we've had incredibly lucky. We've been incredibly lucky to have loyal staff and we've been incredibly lucky and blessed to be able to keep them on board um, and afford them. And they get to know our, you know, if you have turnover every few weeks, then they, that, that connection starts to kind of fall apart. But they Jackie, know. please show, show your trophy and let's get it. Let's move on. Oh, I just think it's important. Trophy. I love it. I mean, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. Table camper. You know, in some, camper. in some worlds, it's not really people really, restaurant people really don't like that. I'm okay <laughs> with it. You're bragging about it. Totally Table. okay with it. But it, it brings holder. up Mike's point about celebration. So if people yeah. know, you know, whether they're going to Rafino's or they're going to Tsunami, it's their place. Yeah. And that's where they go yeah. over and over. And, and that's where they feel connected. Yeah. And they do that because of the experience that the restaurants yeah. have created for them. Well, yeah. I think on that too is, you know, there's been a lot of radio commercials, TV commercials, things about, you know, about saving the restaurants and how important they are. And, and I couldn't agree more. And, and it may seem trivial to some people, but it's such like when people go, they, they on Friday night and, and, and they go there every week and they go there to celebrate things and celebrate birthdays. And um, we had a birthday. Um, our youngest daughter um, yeah. had a birthday during all this. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, you know, you guys have put together a little cake for her without even us even knowing. And she, it changed her day. I mean, it made her day. Aww. She missed all her parties and all her events, yeah. but it was those kind of little things where I think restaurants give us that normalcy and give us that, you know, yeah. it's okay. You know, it's like, you know, even if it's a little bit, and even if it's different yeah. than what it used to be, it's still important, you know, Very to have important. in our lives. And I think that's, that's the, the thing that people may miss or glance over is the emotional side of, of, of your, what you bring to people in, in, in everyday life. Yeah. Well, um, I think it might've been a Danny Meyer book. I don't know for sure, but it was about service. And one of the things that has always stuck out to me was the line to write the last chapter, how important it is for you to write the last chapter in a store in a customer service story. So whether, you know, I think typically he was referring to if there's a bad experience that you can't let the last chapter be the bad experience or, um, an, uh, or the guest walk away. It, you have to write the last chapter and it has to be a good one. And you have to finish it on a high note so that it, the, the story ends. Oh, that was cool. And so I, I try, we don't hit it a hundred percent. Nobody does, but we definitely try to, write that last chapter if good or good or bad whatever the story is for that experience that customer experience well it sets a certain expectation and so because you have trained your customers to expect something then when something does go badly they're more willing to forgive or overcome and that's where brand loyalty comes from is because they stay loyal knowing oh that wasn't a normal experience it was off and so you know nine times out of ten it's going to be great and i think back to that april fool's day um, what was that? Four or five years ago? <laughs> it was the best. Oh. Uh, and so for anybody who hasn't gotten to hear this story before, uh, the short version is um, I love to give Michael a hard time every day. But April Fool's Day is my particular favorite out of the year. And so Michelle worked with me for two years. Painful. So, it was it was a very painful thing to do. It was, us. but we, we preset it. Painful to experience. 
Yes, I'm sure. Um, but it was everything that's a pet peeve of his as a restaurant guy. And Michelle told her staff, it's okay, I promise. And so they did everything wrong. And he was so stunned because it was so not the norm. You go to some restaurant and the drink is flat or the food served badly <laughs> or they don't swipe the table and clear the dirty dishes. You're like, well, that's just how it is oh, here. The just thrown on the plate oh, yeah. and presented like you guys. Oh, an uncut roll just standing up on a plate. I mean, it was... It seemed so easy. You're like, oh, easy. We can do that. But then once you really came down to it and you, you know, you kind of gave bark- barking orders to the, both the kitchen and the server and the busser, all three involved, they were so uncomfortable with it. Yes. Because that's, that's not how they, it's not how they operate. It's not how they train. I'm like, I promise it's going to be okay. And they're like, they were nervous. They were very oh, you nervous. You could tell. You could tell. But, but they, they were troopers. They were troopers and they were great. When it was all over, they loved it, but it was the best because Michael definitely was kind of put out a little bit. bit. Well, I just didn't know. And and again, I was still willing to forgive and move on, but when we were done, (laughs) he still tipped the server. Yeah, well, yeah, because that's never their fault. Everybody has bad days, but um, but it was there was plates stacked up in the middle. There was, I mean, a drink had some spilled on me. It was like, eh, if it was something that was bad, it was bad. And then I didn't know until I got the check and at the very bottom it said half April Fool's Day. I'm like, oh, yeah. son of a bitch. I can't it was great. This was yeah. <laughs> it was but you know what? Awesome. To that point is we're, we are human. So, mm-hmm. you know, those things are going to happen intermittently throughout a, a restaurant service. But we just slammed you with all of them at one time. Right. Oh, she did. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. How do you keep your team connected? I mean, you've referenced your team a lot and, and we've commented a, a lot about your team and how great they are. And now you've got really teams in multiple towns, all mm-hmm. trying to do multiple things at the same time. And each city is its own vibe and its own culture. How do you keep Tsunami the same in three very different towns? Um, well, one thing helps because you have myself, my partner, Fred Nanato, and my partner, Toon um, Nguyen, that you know, we're based out of Lafayette, but we work at all three locations. And so we know what the brand standards are for each one of them and what they're supposed to be. Also, ironically, particularly in New Orleans, we probably have five, five or six people that work there that worked in Lafayette and or Baton Rouge for many years. So we weren't starting, you know, completely fresh trying to, you know, brainwash new people into believing in the tsunami way they already were bought in, you know, they sought us out whenever we said we were announced, we announced that we were opening there. They sought us out because they had worked at the other locations and they had moved to New Orleans years ago. And like, we want to come back and work for you guys. So that helps. And um, I think the proximity, I mean, we're only three hours apart, two, sorry, two hours apart. So, you know, we, we do, um, my buddy, John Besh has a good, uh, a good, you, you mentioned it earlier and I didn't tell you there's a term for it actually. And when you said you cross the bridge, that lets mm-hmm. your people in New Orleans know. John Besh calls it Pearl Harboring, where you just kind of, <laughs> you just kind of dive bomb in and they don't know, you sneak, sneak attack. So we're not so far that you can't, one of us can't show up and you better be doing what you're supposed to be doing, how we trained you to do it. Again, humans, there's going to be a, a, a swing. Any statistician will tell you there's going to be a percentage that isn't perfect and isn't right. But we, we try to do that as much as we can. Proximity helps the three of us going you know, to and from the locations and just hiring from within and, and moving them around. Well, and I think that's important, too, because that helps you maintain the culture. So as new people enter, they're being trained by the ones who've been there for years and know yeah. how it should be done. Yeah. So that Very self-regulation important. happens. Yeah. Um, Michelle Vadrine Montesano, but she'll always be Vadrine to me, um, mm-hmm. commented and she said, a new norm is on its way for us. It'll be very interesting what it will all look like in the future and what businesses will be able to conform to the new norm. So what do you see? You mentioned curbside probably mm-hmm. sticking around because people like mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the cleaning procedures, the face masks, some of those mm-hmm. health related things. Mm-hmm. Are there any other things that you see sticking around that you feel like, oh, we're going to have to figure out how to adapt to this? The capacity restrictions are going to be the new norm, and that's going to be weird because no, I don't know one restaurant that has a business pro forma built on 25 or 50 percent capacity. Um, right. All of us are, are our line is pretty small on the 100 percent capacity, so that's going to be a new norm from our perspective. Uh, for guests, I think the same thing though. When you go to restaurants like Rafino's or Lafonda or Tsunami, you're used to that feeling, that vibe, and seeing your friends and hanging out at a table and you know finishing your dinner then going visit with your buddy and talking to them and just the feeling that that full restaurant creates it's gonna, it's gonna be different it's gonna right. be 
it's going to be odd. It's going to take some getting used to because you're not, you're going to feel a little bit like you're at a library. Just a tiny yeah. bit. <laughs> Well, that's the experience Michael was talking about, you know, restaurants, especially locally owned restaurants, Mm -hmm. especially the three you mentioned, they are the community centers. That is where we go to gather, to meet people, to celebrate um, any part of life that you're celebrating. And so when you take away aspects of that celebration, it makes people feel very disconnected. Yes. It's going to be, going to be weird. Yeah. So, um, Adjust. Uh, I hate that word. I've been using that word, adjust. Blech. It is. It's an adjustment. It's a pivot. It's a whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so do you see uh, Tsunami doing more and more outdoor? I mean, obviously Baton Rouge is cool with a 4,000 square foot terrace. Correct. But Lafayette and New Orleans having to find ways to do more outdoor? Yeah. Well, Lafayette has that little tiny patio in front of lounge. I mean, we right. might be able to put five tables in there with the with the restrictions. So we could do that. Um, New Orleans, there is a patio outside, but that's not even on the radar of discussion yet. They they're the epicenter of some serious issues. So we are we're really not, I mean, we're starting the takeout process, but I don't, I don't know when right. really it's the weirdest thing to not have any idea right. what the next move is going to be. Well, and you're a planner and you like to work ahead and you're organized. So big this list maker. particularly big hard for you. Oh, yes, it is. Yes. I like a date. I like a timeline. I like to back mm-hmm. it up. What do we need to do? And, uh, it's, yeah, it's painful. Painful. Yeah. Yeah. And also because you're kind of like a mom, you know, when you're at the top of the food chain, you're kind of like a parent. So everyone looks to you like this happened. What's the answer? What do we do? You're the, you're the captain of the ship. Well, normally we know how to answer that because it's things that we've experienced and we have history with whatever. I don't know the answer. Like, I I don't know. And it's just, I don't like it. I very much feel handcuffed you know, very much don't have the answers. And I hate that. I like to be able to make my staff feel comfortable because mom and dad got it. Mom and dad know what we're doing. Mom and dad is literally just kind of waiting. Like, what do we do? What's the rule next? I don't know. Melissa was on the show uh, last week and talked about mental health and how hard it is for people to maintain some sense of mental health and comfort right now because Mm -hmm. of the unknowns. And so I I think you really tapped on that. Um, mm-hmm. Mary Domingue LeBlanc has suggested that you just open, just open. All caps. Oh, well, look at her. Does she have that? She has good solutions. Some CDC connection. I'm on sure the she does. Eradication of the, the disease and the spread. I'm sure she does. She's solid. She has a plan. She's my, she, no, she's she, my solid go-to. She's on my board. She's, on my, she's, my, she's one of my board of directors. That's I a squirrel her. run plan right there. That's a squirrel run plan. Just open. Yeah. Um, Evelyn Flynn wants to know, how will this affect your business bottom line with a smaller capacity? I mean, you touched on it. Like, what do you do? I've actually built a couple of little spreadsheets of, okay, well, if we reduce, if this is reduced this much, and then this, everything else is going to get, your cost of goods are going to get reduced because you're not ordering as much. But even when I look at the the final number, I still go, that just doesn't make sense. I just don't know how this is going to. Work. Now, you know, again, the PPP is helping because I don't have to worry about payroll coming out of any revenue that we um, that we're able to generate because the PPP is supposed to cover that until June 30th, as well as rent um, to some degree and utilities. There is a whole lot more to run in a business than those three elements. And um, I don't not really sure how many people that put together this CARES Act. Uh, have run a business or looked at a P&L, but what happens to all the other, I mean, my P&L is like three pages long, single spaced. They, they took care of three lines. Right. There's a whole lot of other lines that right. need attention, you know, right. Like all the food that we had stocked at all the locations, again, Lafayette's been going through it, but the, we had full stock, you know, and that, you have to throw all that away. And then right. you got to replenish that. You have to have money to go buy all of that and start over. Right. That doesn't, that's not covered in the PPP. There's not a line no. for that right now. No. Right no, now there there's, isn't. There's really not. Um, no. You know, I, I think back to um, when you think about all your spreadsheets and the planning and the list making, and that's the you I know uh, all these years. And it takes me all the way back to when you first opened the restaurants. Um, you know, I look at your family tree. I don't see a lot of restaurateurs on those branches. So how did all that develop? I, I think people are always fascinated about how you made the transition from your career to owning a restaurant. Um, I, I don't really know. It's all still very much a blur. Um, you know, I didn't have a, 
had very little restaurant experience. I worked at Showbiz Pizza as a party hostess uh, when I was in high school. I did have a stint at Corn Dog on a Stick in the mall. So there's my restaurant experience right there. Um, so I didn't really, I didn't really know what I was getting into. And I tell people all the time, had I really known, I definitely wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Knowing what I know now, oh lordy. Um, so it was probably good that I had no idea what I was doing because it was like. I think that's know. true with marriage and child rearing too. By the way, not just businesses. <laughs> yeah. If you knew, you wouldn't you think twice about it. Right. Um, but the, what the weird transition for me, and I tell, I do talk about this often, is I was in radio for five years. I was the operations director for, um, I say 1749 Bertrand because the, the name has changed so many times, but it's the, the conglomerate of KTDY, uh, um, the dog, uh, play, at the time, Planet Radio, KPL, uh, what other ones are in there? The, the Rock, 107. 107. So they've all changed names and, and uh, call letters over the years, so it's hard to remember. But there I was, you had a large operation and I helped, you know, to operate it with the with the management team and there let's call it you had 15 20 different disc jockeys you know for the whole group and all of them very strong opinions uh very big strong personalities and so transition that to the restaurant industry and chefs and i was like well i kind of feel comfortable in this <laughs> in this space right here it's kind of the same they're dressed differently there's no sadly there's no production light to let me know when uh when something's going on but it's the same. So a lot of the skills that I had there were able to transition to that world. Well, luckily there's, radio a, lot of, there's disc a huge jockeys, learning curve. Well, I'm just glad radio disc jockeys don't have knives because it could be a whole what? different business. Oh, my gosh. What? Can you yeah, imagine? Very, very, yes, very smart. Yeah. And sake shots during the shift. So <laughs> well, things some you don't DJs, want DJs we know do have that. So <laughs> it uh, wouldn't be Thank that you. bad. Whatever um, gets so, the ratings up. So you grew up in Lafayette, uh, went to Acadiana High School and USL. Wrecking Ram, go Cajuns. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about the relationships you formed, the clubs you were in, the activities you did that helped you kind of shape who you are now. What had the biggest effect on you? The biggest effect on me? I don't know if one kind of pulled away from the other. Uh, I was a cheerleader, high school and college um, so kind of trying to always find the spirit and the spunk in things that we do or the fun way to do things and not make them always feel like work. Cause I mean, that's ultimately what we were doing. You had a job to go out in front of the, the stands for two or three hours and cheer, but you had to find the fun and the smile in that. So I think that, you know, we try to make work fun and kind of make, make it feel spirited in here. Um, in college, I was also on the freshman orientation group leader which was a blast and taught me a lot about uh, probably the beginning of my learning about diversity and learning about acceptance and learning about um, teaching and training because we would, you know, part of that job was it, new uh, students, freshmen coming in and needing to be oriented, is that a word, yeah. for everything, you know, the freshman year of college. That was way before the internet. I mean, we were making schedules with newspapers and you actually had to go and have an appointment with your face-to-face -face with your uh, You remember standing in line in the union? To pay your $500 tuition? Yeah. Right. They had it. It, it, was, like, it was like cattle call. It was like right. a big king. You were in line. There were thousands of people in that room. So th that was fun. That was really fun. I did that for two years and it was, I just loved it. I loved being part of helping people be comfortable in their next step, in their next phase. People that were very scared and very nervous. Um, I loved it. I loved being part of that. That seems kind of like what you still do today. I know. I don't know what it is. I wish I could just learn how to make money doing it because I'm really that's... attracted to that. Yeah. Well, and so when you think about um, how the restaurant has evolved, it, it sounds like you're just continuing your life as an orientation leader and cheerleader. Because really, you give people a, a place to celebrate experiences, to enjoy life, to be together. And I think all yeah. those things kind of tie together. They um, do. Not counting today's uh, pandemic, tell me about mm -hmm. a project that forced you to be innovative and creative. Oh, man, I can't use this one. Um, no. A project that forced us to be innovative and creative. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can think of one. I mean, some fun things that we've done is we've done sushi on, uh, on someone's private boat. We had a chef. <laughs> set sail on someone's private boat years and years ago. And that was really, that was really cool and fun and different to set up a 
sushi bar and a full service sushi bar on someone's <laughs> private yacht. I bet. That was cool. Um, other things we've had to, well, I mean, it rains on the terrace a lot. You got to figure out what to do when you have a full, everyone's out here dining and it starts to rain. So you have to get creative with setting up <laughs> tables and eating places inside when there are none. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've kind of been kind of cut dry. Oh, I will tell you one funny one. It's not really funny, but it's a fact. So in Lafayette, you have tsunami. And then next door, now you have lounge dining room. Well, that started as my sister and my husband and I um, doing a wine and fondue bar next door to tsunami. So because that space came available, it was uh, it would operate as club 410, operated as the entrance of club 410. So we're like, well, let's do um Let's open this, you know, kind of raise the bar a little bit for downtown Lafayette. You know, we had been to a bunch of really cool kind of wine and cheese bars uh, around, you know, the country. So, like, let's try to do one in a small little space. So, we did. And it was people came and they ate their fondue and they drank their night. We tried to have a bunch of fun boutique wines that you couldn't just get anywhere. And so, that's what we started with. Um, and what would happen was people, we'd have an hour and a half wait at Tsunami. So people in our bar was full. So they'd migrate over to lounge and sit at the bar and, you know, get a drink while they waited. And then it turned into, hey, can I, um, can I order edamame just while we wait? I mean, we know that y'all are the same owners. And so the, we, we were connected in the back of the house. The front of the house, we're not, you couldn't, but, but the dishwasher and the offices were all connected. So they, the server, the bartender would come and ask the manager, hey, can I just order an edamame for this? Well, that turned into, hey, can I just order a crunchy roll? Okay, can I just order some eco fries? And then one day we just sat and had a, a real conversation about just not blowing that hole in the wall and just making it part of the dining room. So, And there was whisper at the time that there was going to be another sushi bar opening downtown. And so we thought, well, why don't we just expand our sushi bar so the our wait time will now end up being able to be seated. And so we kind of, that's kind of how lounge dining room happened. It right. wasn't intentional. It wasn't our long-term plan. Never even thought about that until the customers, again, my bosses kind of drove that decision. But what a great pivot to say, we've got all these people yeah. on a wait, let's take care of them. So they're not yeah. going somewhere else. And yeah. now, oh, well, this is what they want. Well, then we'll pivot again. And mm -hmm. isn't that what business is about is finding a way to adapt? It is. And I can tell you, this is where I do a shout out to my kitchen staff because in management, because they've had to deal with it. Our kitchen didn't size didn't change. So our right. kitchen size stays the same. So normally when you grow your dining capacity by, let's call it 75, 80 seats, 90, 95, if you count the bar, maybe, um, then you would have to increase your capacity in your kitchen. We didn't do that. So they took some, <laughs> they took some pivoting, some adjusting to figure out how to service more people. So they've right. done That's I give that all to them. They're it's like operating on a, what did they call it? A galley and a, and a mm -hmm. cruise ship, or not mm -hmm. a cruise ship, but a um, um, military ship right. where it's just tiny little, tiny little kitchen to feed all those people. So they've done it. Kudos to them. Absolutely. Well, and they've done it in an open kitchen so people can see what's right. happening. <laughs> that's a good point. Good point. They can so see. So it's not behind the scenes. They can't hide. No, no, no. no. That's why the staff, so the staff is, the kitchen is a little bit happy about this, uh, this mask that's going to be mandatory because you can't see what they're mouthing to each other anymore. It'll be, <laughs> you have to figure it out on your own. So they're looking forward to that. I think their eyes tell a story. We'll still oh, know. Yeah. yeah. You, you still hear them, but hopefully if it's right. just muddled under their breath, you just won't see their lips. No reading their lips. Right. Right. Um, exactly. So I know that, that you are a very positive person and you do, like me, focus on successes and how to make things go better. But if you were to look back over the past 20 years, what's something that you failed at? Something you were wrong about? Something that did not work out the way you hoped it would? Something I failed at. Well, you know, we did that little stint with um, Cypress Bayou Casino and we all had high hopes for that, including Cypress Bayou Casino. Um, we were kind of like a test pilot for them to open up a... Um, they got a new general manager and that general manager wasn't a fan of being uh, in the food and beverage industry. He wanted to focus on the casino. So his plan was to lease all of their food and beverage outlets. And that would be the problem with the food and beverage outlets and not them anymore. And so before they did, before they ripped the cord on all of them, they said, well, let's just try one. And we were the consulting restaurant years before that for their Asian restaurant called Rick Rack. So they came to us because it was, we already knew the space. They knew us, we trusted them and, 
they said, let's try it. You know, let's see how we do. And um, it worked for about eight months, maybe nine months, but there was a, a change in leadership there. And that change of leadership didn't necessarily have the same vision as uh, the first leadership and also the customers. It was very, very hard to retrain the customer that we were tsunami. We were not part of the casino. We were not Rick Rack. We don't, your gold card, right? points card don't work here. So that was hard. That was a hard pill to swallow because we had to, but in a beautiful universal way, we appreciated what was happening but also the casino appreciated what was happening and they did not fight when we all sat at a table we were all in agreement that it wasn't working and so we were very 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 lucky because sometimes those relationships you know don't end well but i love them still they love us still everything everything's good right yeah do you think part of that is because of open lines of communication because of yeah clear preparation i mean you know you're right a lot of times those situations can go very badly so what do you think is it about either the way you work or your team works that allows those things to go well? What things? Failure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. An honesty, you know, yeah. being honest with them and just uh, they they saw our staff there saw the writing on the wall. They knew. They knew you could see it. You could see the customers were confused and unhappy and you can see even in the casino itself things were um, were changing and they could they could tell. Right. Um, so yeah, just being honest with them, complete honesty and not trying to, I mean, the last two weeks we were open there, I literally was the dishwasher, you know, so I showed them <laughs> I'm trying, I, I drove out there every Thursday, Friday and Saturday night and washed dishes the entire shift. Cause our dishwasher had quit. Well, I wasn't going to rehire one because right. we we're closing. And so they saw that I wasn't just abandoning them. I wasn't like, see y'all, you know, right. I, I literally washed dishes. So that's good. So though. that's, I mean, that's a, that's a professional failure, but I mean, it personally, I, I never was able to learn a second language or learn how to play the piano. And I wish you've got time. You can still got time. I know. I so you haven't read the last been... chapter yet. There you go. Look at you. Full circle. But um, Evelyn like Glenn says that uh, she would like to have her women wine and connections at your restaurant. It's a ladies social networking group. Okay. I mean, okay. I, yes, let's do it. Bring <laughs> your masks and let's go. Soon as the mayor and the governor, let us do it. Yeah. Um, and Kara Ken and Boudreaux says we really love Rick Rack. And then, of course, we loved having you there, too. Yes. Oh, yeah, Kara. Yeah. Thank you. We, we loved it, but it just wasn't wasn't meant to be long term. Right. How do you encourage professional development in yourself and in your team? Um. We, well, with the technology that we have right now, we, so many podcasts, there's so many restaurant podcasts and customer service podcasts. And so anytime I listen to a good one or what somebody on our management team listens to them, um, uh, we, we pass it along through our, you know, we have group me's for our management team and then they have group me's for their departments and uh, we have our own staff Facebook page. So we always post, Hey, this some great ideas on this podcast and listen to this. So that helps. And also books, you know, when we read a good book, uh, we say, you know, we try to encourage them to read that. And anytime we find any, uh, not webinars, but like a day long, Mm -hmm. like the National Restaurant Association, James Beard Foundation, as well as Louisiana uh, Restaurant Association, and also um, any any industry specific um, organizations like NACE in New Orleans, it's a, you know, hospitality um, organization. Anytime they have any, you know, lunches or breakfast, lunch and learn, or those type of things, we encourage and pay for uh, financially support sending our management team to go and kind of, you know, learn to get a different perspective from somebody else. And, you know, you might attend two or three of them and you only get something from one of them, but it's worth it. You know, you never know when something's going to stick with you. So we encourage that. Simone Onselet wants to know, what's your favorite restaurant podcast? Um, there's one called, uh, God, is it Restaurant Wars? Hold on, I'm going to have to go look at it. I don't think it's Restaurant Wars. I need to look at it. Hold on. Because right. I don't know by heart. I was going to say, and it Simone, is, if she can't find it quickly, I'll find out and let you know. Um, I'll, I'm looking right now. Uh, Did you oh, there's Simone's- one called Business Business Wars. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. on um, it's not necessarily on restaurants, but it's Business Wars. It's a Wondery um, podcast. It's a 
amazing to hear things that we don't even know how, like went on like you'll have coke and pepsi you didn't even know there was a major war or, uh, there's a really good one about two airlines that had major wars um, i think there's uh, one with apple as well anyway uh business wars it's on one it's really good all right i'm writing that down right now because that sounds like a great yeah one. And some of them are series because it's a long story and you go, I had no idea they were in that kind of a legal conflict and how they pivoted and how they changed their their ways of doing things on this massive level because of something someone else was doing. Oh, it's, it's really good. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to read Simone's BU article yet. It just came out. Uh, she has yeah. a very nice tribute to Dom in there. It's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, that's good he's, stuff. He's a boy. I need to go watch it. Um, the other one is the Restaurant MBA podcast. Okay. The restaurant M, like MBA. That one's really good too. Okay, good. So those are two good ones right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is something that another company is doing that you wish you had done first? Doesn't have to be a restaurant, just any company in general. Oh, company. Because you know we like to solve <sighs> other companies' problems for them all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, um, particularly, um, oh, I hear my stuff. I don't know how much time. Oh, good. This is starting to go. <laughs> Um, the, some of our competitors are doing, they all have walk stations. And when we opened Lafayette and Baton Rouge, walking wasn't that big of a deal. And so, um, we put walks in New Orleans when we opened New Orleans and I, I really haven't been able to figure out a way financially or physically a way to put walk stations in because stir fry is so popular and guests want stir fry. And right. We have to be able to get the BTUs high enough for it to actually be a walk station. And uh, so that's one thing I, I'm always jealous of some of my competitors that are able to do walks. So one day, maybe if you see the announcement that I added a walk station, you know, I hit, <laughs> I hit one of my goals. <laughs> that's awesome. What but event most shaped who yeah. you are now? What event? Probably opening a restaurant and motherhood. I mean, that's so bland and boring, but um, yeah, I mean, opening your own business will, will show you what you're worth and what you're, capable of and you know and being a mother you know that's another thing you mentioned it earlier you can't plan for that or design that and it, it definitely shapes you it, it, all your decisions are based on keeping your business alive and keeping your family thriving so right that's definitely you know some days are do good just to keep both of them alive really thriving oh, yeah. is not even on the list just alive no, just alive yeah yeah no I like that yeah no yeah. I like that what values do you live by? Loyalty and honesty. They're, they're very, 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 they're very important to me. What's your very guilty pleasure? Oh, Buddha and chips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a savory girl. I, it's really fun because I like to bake a lot. I really enjoy baking. I love, I enjoy baking a baking cake and decorating a cake, cooking, anything sweet. I like to bake, but I don't necessarily eat a lot of sweets, really. I don't have a sweet tooth, but dang, chips and dip and boudin. I have no satiary gland when it comes to that. I mean, honestly, like it's a, it's allowed in my house for my husband to walk over, pick up the bag, close it and walk away without me getting mad. Like in some, in some worlds that would be offensive. And a woman would be like, what? No, it's allowed in my house. Cause I need help. Yeah. I need them to help me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I've, yeah. I've seen it in action. It's pretty bad. It is. I love it. It is. Um, how would you like to be remembered? Probably the same answer as being loyal and being honest oh, and fair. Not Buddha and Doritos. I thought that same no, answer. I do not want that to be anywhere near my epitaph. Epitaph? Okay. Epi is that what it is? On yeah. your headstone? Yeah, headstone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as being, yeah, someone that was fair and, uh, and honest and fun, occasionally fun. I, I do try to find the fun in most everything. One of my favorite family, my, my kids, if they watch this, are going to go. But I always say, if you can't get out of it, get into it. Meaning if you got to put in a six hour shift, don't make it miserable. Make Find the fun in it. Find right. the laughter, find the fun. If you can't get out of it, get into it. Nice. I like that. <laughs> what advice would you give to this year's graduates? Having one in your uh, own house, what do you tell them? Let, oops, sorry, I have all this stuff lined away. What would I tell them? Um, well, I don't know if they have to do this anymore, but I would tell them to back up their hard drives. <laughs> <laughs> Again, don't know if that's really a thing. Um, network, you know, yeah. that's boring, but it's true. Um, 
label all your cords. <laughs> the minute you open the box, get your label maker and label Michelle's MiFi. This goes to Michelle's MiFi. Label your ear pods. Label all of your electronic cords so you know whose is what and what it goes to. Um, I probably also remind them that they probably don't need that last drink that they mm -hmm. think they need. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, you don't. Yep, you just don't order that last one. Don't look at the clock and go, oh, we have 15 more minutes. Let's get one more. No, go home. Uh, go what's home. your pettiest pet peeve? This is pretty petty. Uh, uh, reiterators. It, 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 especially in it, and this is ideal for the time of Zoom calls and any kind of electronic meetings. People that go, I agree with what Michelle said. And because this and that and this and that and they repeat exactly what i just said and then someone else at the table goes i i like what michelle said because and then they repeat it like no this meeting could have been cut in half if everyone just would have not repeated what other people said just to hear their voice oh i hate it just go take it to a vote everybody go yes let's do that it doesn't have to be like, my whatever i said but it's just sure. anybody i'm like don't re i hate repeaters it just makes me crazy I don't think that's petty, you know, though. I mean, is that, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, that I know exactly. It's the people who need to reply to all just to make sure they have an opinion in the topic. Yeah. Oh, but Painfully it's aware. don't, if I say, yes, I think we should paint all the pigs purple because pigs that are purple really like to graze in the grass. And then the person next to me goes, I agree with Michelle. Purple pigs are much happier in purple grass. Well, I just said that. You just changed the way I said it. Don't say that. And they also use their hands. That makes them a lot more believable when they use their like hands. Like I just did about yeah, the purple peeve. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, no, that's it's it's a pet peeve. I just grind. I internally grind, and I'm like, awesome. Not and again, not about not even if it's someone else at the table repeating something. I'm not saying that I hate when people repeat what I say. It, mine Any most of the time is insignificant. Yes. Reiterators. Don't reiterate. Yeah. We heard it the first time, crystal clear. We got it. Oh, I got it. Uh, Leslie Little said, preach. Um, Lauren so Shuffler said amazing it's so advice. Petty. It's so petty, but no, so we Lauren all... Shuffler, do not reiterate. Just nod. Just in oh, agreement. She's, yeah. she's a good nodder. She's okay. a very good nodder. Um, although yeah. sometimes she is so still on Zoom calls, I'm pretty sure she's just taken a screenshot and uploaded it as a profile photo because uh, she doesn't move. She's so still. No, she's that. just locked in. She's yeah. locked in. Yeah. yeah. Um, what historical event would you most like to have witnessed? Um. Uh, oh historical i guess it could be anything anything you want good or bad anytime any place i always um oh gosh i always would like to have been in the room like when hamilton was being written or like any sketch comedy like 30 rock i would have i would have oh. i know that's not real like historical no, <laughs> people are gonna write about that in history books but I, those are things i would have liked I mean, the Last Supper would have been pretty cool, too, I guess. Sure, sure. I'll add that to the list at number three. That would have been pretty cool. But just the the creativity in the room, I would, I just, I thrive on that. I would thrive to just sit in the creativity and watch it happen and, you know, see how the sausage is made. You like that? <laughs> you want to be in the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens. But yeah, I think that would be fun. I've always, Two every time Hamilton I, references. Every time I see a really, really funny sketch, like Will Ferrell or Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live or whatever, I always go, they had so much fun writing that skit. I want to be at the table because they probably laughed more writing it than they oh. did actually executing it. So that's, that's mine. I want to be in the room where they're, For sure. where they're writing it. Yeah. Okay. We're down to the last two cards, uh, which means oh, no. the lightning round. Oh, it's okay. good though. That's good. Um, lightning round. So these are quick. First thing that comes to your head, your favorite place mm. on earth. Um, the, the beach or my grandmother's house in Church okay. Point. Movie you can't turn off. I'm probably the one I've seen the most. I'm embarrassed to admit. Grease too. I've seen it like nine or ten times. Not recently. Cool writer. Cool writer. Well, I, mean, I love Come the on. entire. I was in high school, freshman or sophomore, sure. I think in high school when it came out. I, it's guilty, guilty. I haven't seen it in a long time, but that's the one I've seen the most. I, I think it, I've seen it. It nine holds or ten up. Times. Michelle Pfeiffer still sounds amazing. Damn. It's, yeah. it's better She's than Grease so One. I just I'm more of a Grease Two girl. Oh, I agree. Fight us if you if you don't think so. Um, TV show. TV show. Um, do I have a favorite TV show? I loved, I guess, whenever. I loved Love Boat. Oh, nice. No, 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 not Fantasy Island. Fantasy oh, not even Love better. 
Even it, look up, now that I say that, though, that was really fun. All the old classics. I like love American know. style. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Carol Burnett. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, come on. With the dress so, and the curtains. I so mean. addicted to Carol Burnett. I, yeah. I, guilty. I will tell you that I have gone and watched some in this adult lifetime. I have gone and watched some. Do on they YouTube. hold up? They are exactly the same, oh, and they're good. brilliant. And when they start their giggling on set, I just, yeah, Carol <laughs> Burnett. Because they found the fun. They found the, right. you know, they entertained people, and they made people enjoy their evening. Right, right. Um, favorite book? Racing in the Rain. It's not a business book. Okay. No, that's good. That's a good one. Um, favorite podcast? And doesn't have to be restaurant related. It could be just any podcast. I have a fascination with murder and forensics. I don't know why. And I watch, uh, I listen to my favorite murder a lot. Um, straight up going to admit that they banter a little bit too much. So I don't want y'all to judge me on that. The, the girls are, they're, they're funny. They're, they're sharp, but if they could just get to the actual murder, I'd be happier. Um, so I, I like that I could buffer forward, but my favorite murder, it's just, I don't, I'm fascinated with murders and how they solve them. And not just with a murder. That sounds kind of creepy. But how they solve them, the forensics of figuring it out and going, aha, it was the candlestick. It was the candlestick in the drawing room. With Colonel Mustard. With Um, Colonel Mustard. Favorite car? My my favorite car? I had a, a, first of all, anything with a stick shift. And you know that about me because I drove your BMW stick shift one time. Um, Anything with a stick shift for sure. And then um, the me and my older brothers and uh, older brother and sister shared a Mazda RX-7 um, when I was in high school, maybe my first year of college. Two-seater, little white sports car. I love that thing. I think everyone has that familiar love of that, their first car, like in high school. But I love that car. I Absolutely. loved it. Favorite musician? Luther Vandross. Is he a musician? Ooh. What I call Well, I don't yes. know if I would. He's not my favorite musician, but his, his song, Superstar, it's like 15 minutes long. So, you know, you, you got to buy in if you decide to listen to it. But right. I can sing it at the top of my lungs. That is awesome. <laughs> I don't know if he's my favorite musician, but Fire I don't really get the chance to really think. So, right. Fire Round, Luther Vandross, Superstar. Okay. I love it. No, that works. Favorite concert that you've been to? I don't, weird because I was in radio for so long, but I didn't go to a lot of concerts because I don't really like concerts. I uh, don't know why, but I really did enjoy um, Michael Bublé, and I thought I was going to hate it. No, he was I went so good. kicking. I went kicking and screaming. I was not happy about it. I was trying to figure out how not to go all day long, but it was like, you know what I said? If you can't get out of it, get into it. And it was phenomenal. He was great. Same with Lionel Richie at the casino. Again, didn't want to go. wasn't a, wasn't interested. Friend of mine got tickets. I was like, this is night is going to suck really bad. It was. I mean, they almost had to take me. Oh, I was standing on the seat, screaming, <laughs> dancing on the ceiling. Did you it throw was great. Your bra? I did not. Okay. But those two were great. That's awesome. Favorite meal? Anything Asian. Yeah. Favorite leisure activity? Uh, the beach, laying on the beach, hearing the waves. And my earphones way... might go out. I hope. I hope they That's don't. That's okay. We're almost done. Favorite way to treat yourself? The beach. <laughs> okay we're gonna do the actor studio questions real quick your favorite word oh i like when people say paramount least favorite moist uh what turns you on from laughter and what turns you off complaining sound or noise that you love the most Oh, I know this one. I don't have to think about it. The gravel under your tires on a gravel roadway. I love a roll down the window so I can hear it. I love it. I don't know why. Sound or noise that you hate the most? Uh, car, car, you know, scratching on a oh, chalkboard. Yeah. Favorite curse word? Ooh, I like them all. I don't, have a, I don't have a favorite. I use them equal opportunity for the curse words, however fitting. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, refer back to Saturday Night Live. Sketch. Exactly. Sketch comedy. Either writing or acting. I was in I was in the I was on the drama team in high school, so I liked performing. And what profession would you not like to do? Anything that required me to wear professional clothes every day and heels and be in a small cubicle. I couldn't I couldn't do that. Eight to five. I couldn't do it. 
Last but not least, when you arrive at heaven, what do you want to hear God say? What do I want him to hear? <laughs> He's going to say, go home, Michelle, you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I want him to say. That's a great answer. That is a great answer. Michelle Wiesel, thank you for spending this hour with us. We appreciate your time thank and your you luck tonight. Me. Good luck reopening Ooh. Baton Rouge. Say prayer. You did a Thanks, great job. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you, you very much. I enjoyed and it. thank you to everyone who tuned in today and listened and commented. We appreciate it. Uh, come to us next week on Monday. We'll have Marcel Fontenot, and she's going to talk about what it's like to do the news from not her normal studio. Um, and so that's going to be great. Thank you all. <laughs>